Welcome to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. I'm Precious Monster D. Movie. And I'm Honey Bee. We are going to be watching and discussing monster movies, specifically giant monster movies, also known as kaiju or daikaiju. Daikaiju. Uh, and we're going to try to start at the beginning and move forward chronologically until we catch up, which could take years. So that means we are beginning in 1933 with King Kong. The year is 1933. In the middle of the Depression. Everything is crap. Everything is crap. We are very sexist. We are. And uh, very <laughs> racist. Very racist. So uh, this movie, uh, well, Honeybee, what, what did you think? You had not seen it before, right? I Yeah, I had never seen it before. I actually haven't seen a lot of these movies um, a lot of these are going to be first timers for me. So I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I was, it was interesting. I mean, it was fun to watch a movie from 1933. You know, it was a very big deal culturally, right? Like it was a huge deal cinematically. And it's crazy to be able to watch that movie and to see that and uh, and to laugh. It was, it was a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a big hit. It made a ton of money just in like four days on two screens in New York with ticket prices between 35 cents and 75 cents. It made what the budget was $672,253, and 75 cents. And the box office was 5.3 million. Wow. And movie tickets were 35 cents. 35 to 75. I That might have depended on where you were sitting in the theater or just how classy the theater was. Okay. Okay. But yeah, it made huge money uh, in its opening in New York and then eventually played everywhere. And then back then they would maybe run something again a few, they'd re-release it a few years later. And of course, eventually... It made its way to television. I first saw it as a kid. I'd seen clips many times, but I first saw it all the way through at a friend's house. And uh, that was back in the days when you had to check the <laughs> schedule and see when something was coming on. And, and if you weren't there on time, you missed it. Oh, so, man. The glory days. Yeah, the struggle was real. <laughs> so anyway, you... Uh, you for the most part enjoyed it i did um but wait before that let me ask when yeah. you watched it as a kid uh -huh. were yeah. you were you scared did it scare you did you believe that king kong was a huge monster was it believable to you and what year was I, this i mean this would have been probably around in 1984 or five if i'm remembering correctly this was a friend that i new in high school for just a brief time he moved to town and then he moved away but no i don't think i was actually frightened okay <laughs> <laughs> i was familiar with 
uh, stop motion animation so I knew how it was being done. I'd already at that point seen countless Rankin and Bass holiday specials so I knew uh, what sort of effect I was looking at. I see. Uh, it's hard to say how people at the time took it. Right. I mean, but the effects were, you know, for the time, they were as good as they got. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. It was a big deal then. But I just wonder if it was believable because of the like stop animation and just like, because I, what I'm saying, I guess, is like, I'm not sure if it's so ridiculous because, you know, I grew up watching movies that are so realistic, you know, like, you know what I mean? Right. Right. So it's like, I just wonder if these, if in 1933, when you were watching this motion picture and this huge King Kong comes on, was it scary? Was it, was it believable? I don't know. I would say considering the amount of money it made that uh, people were impressed Mm -hmm. or they they would not have gone back to see it or told their friends to see it. So uh, I think it was the spectacle this was sort of the first blockbuster, summer blockbuster. People think Jaws was the first summer blockbuster, but really this was. And uh, I, I think they were they probably bought it. They were yep. not as jaded as we, as we are. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the stop motion, this it was done by uh, Willis O'Brien. Shout out. We'll see his name a few more times in some of these movies coming up. So uh, let's get into the movie itself, directed by Marion C. Cooper and Ernest B. Shodsack, who may be my favorite last name of a director. <laughs> Produced by both of them. Screenplay by James Krellman and Ruth Rose. From a story by Edgar Wallace and Marion C. Cooper. Uh, and I've actually read the novelization of this. This was not based on a novel, but this was an early example of them putting out a novel based on the screenplay to help, oh. to help the movie, which is pretty standard now, but I think was a fairly uh, new thing then. The version we watched had an overture. Yes, it did. A four minute long overture. Apparently, because <laughs> I looked into it, because movies used to, this used to be kind of common, especially if it was a musical. The movie would have an overture, but this overture was actually inserted later. There was not an overture when it originally ran. American movie classics or Turner classic movies or one of those people sort of created this overture and inserted it for a later release. But then we get the the credits. Kong gets a credit as the eighth wonder of the world. So they're trying to make us think he's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And then it opens up with this old Arab proverb, which is a lie. <laughs> this is not an old Arab proverb. Gosh, I didn't write it down exactly, but it has to do with and when when the beast saw beauty, from that moment he was dead. And this is the theme that they're trying to tell us that this movie that, that has is that. Uh, that b- the beast is is weakened by his uh, love of the beauty. I would argue that that is not the actual theme of the movie. <laughs> arguably, arguably so. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll get to that. Then uh, it starts with the exposition boys come out on a dock, 
and talk about denim and what a wild card he is and explain to us that he makes these jungle pictures and one of these guys is the theatrical agent who's come to see denim and the other guy's just someone for him to talk to so that we can get some exposition right right and the guy goes on the boat and explains the denim you got a bad reputation for being dangerous. I am not hiring any girls for you. I'm not sending any actresses for you to put in your picture because they might not make it back alive. Right. So, so that's great. That's, that's our introduction to our hero. You're a dangerous lunatic and I'm not, <laughs> I cannot in good conscience send a woman to you to work for you. <laughs> yes. Enter stage left, our damsel in distress. <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, he's like, I'll, I got it. Well, he's got a boat full of. Do, do we see the gas bombs in this first scene? He's got to get moving in a hurry because the monsoon season's coming, and he needs to hire a girl quickly. So this movie does not shy away from the period it is made in. It puts the depression front and center, and this is important because Denim knows that there's got to be desperate girls out there because they almost exclusively <laughs> refer to women as girls girls i think, I think uh fey ray gets called a woman once the rest of the time she is called a girl and all the i think also one time she does get uh called a love interest <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yeah the, the 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 public my public won't like my picture if it doesn't have a love interest in it <laughs> so I gotta hurt somebody. Denim knows that everybody is desperate and he can find some hottie who is so hungry and poor and desperate that she yeah. is going to go on this dangerous trip with him. And that's what he does. He goes straight to like a bread line, but none of them are hot enough. And then he finds um, Fay Ray uh, and Darrow about to steal an apple. <laughs> And says, that's the desperate hottie I need. That's the hot, hungry, homeless girl I'm looking for. <laughs> and uh, keeps her from getting busted by the fruit vendor. And then takes her to a restaurant, buys her sandwich. And convinces her somehow to come with him. And she hesitates for a moment. But then he just says, oh, I'm on the square. <laughs> and she says, oh, well, since you said that you're on the square, you must be on the square. So I will come with you, a man who I have just met, and yes. hopefully you, you will not murder me immediately. <laughs> Take me to the money adventure and fame. So throughout the film, she is so grateful to Denim from rescuing, for rescuing her from the street that she is willing to do and go and say whatever he wants without question. I was going to say this doesn't work out well for her, but actually in the end, she's, she's fine. She's traumatized, but she survives, <laughs> which, which many people do not. So this is true. This is true. So good for her. Somewhere here. I had the death count of this movie. It's pretty high. <laughs> does the get, does the death count include uh, monsters? It does. It does. It does. Nice. Nice. Uh, and, and Kong himself. So. Oh, wah, wah, wah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler, yes. Spoiler it. for this almost 100-year-old movie. Kong does not make it to the end of the movie. 
Wah, wah, wah. Honeybee, what would you say is the theme of this movie? What do you think this movie is about? I feel like there were so many points in the movie where I thought I knew what was happening. And then I would just say, like, what? When did this happen? <laughs> like, did I miss something? It would be just from one second to the next. Uh-huh. <laughs> it just changes. I could not tell you. Like, what is the theme of the movie? Is it a is a is it a romance? Right. Um, like, so, is it a monster movie? It was it was really strange. I couldn't put my finger on it. So clearly, the movie thinks the theme is beauty killed the beast, right? Right. But I, I believe that the theme of this movie is whitey gonna white. Oh, yes, which um since we're there, the there I feel like the, there was a guy um in sort of this point in the movie where we're now headed to Skull Island. Yeah. And he has just like this horrible fake Chinese accent. Yes. Yes, we looked him up to make oh. sure he was actually Chinese. Oh my god. Like how racist how racist is this? Is this yellow face word? He is trying to, the man's name is Victor Wong. He plays Charlie, the ship's cook. Mm -hmm. He was was born in 1906 in, you want to guess where, you want to guess where he was born? (laughs) Where, where was he born? Los Angeles, California, (laughs) United States of America. So I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain (laughs) that he, that this man speaks flawless English. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, or, or as well as any American speaks English. And I'm also fairly certain that in none of the many films he was in from 1932 to 1945, that he was allowed to display his natural born command of the English language. He was probably <laughs> always forced to speak in this ridiculous <sighs> horrible English. But um that that said, uh, you know, he is a horrible stereotype, but uh, he is on the ball. He's the one that notices that Anne is missing off the boat and alerts <laughs> the ship. And he is, for the most part, he's treated with respect by the crew. Nobody calls him racial slur. I mean, this is the bar we're setting for the, yeah. the movie. Nobody calls him any bad names or anything, so... Uh, He's treated, and, and Anne seems to be on good good terms with him. She seems to like him just just fine. But yeah, he's a he's an unfortunate stereotype of the time. What if I told you that Kong himself is racist? Oh, is it? Well, many many people see some racial coding in the character of oh. Kong that he represents the big dangerous sexually charged black man who is coming for our white women oh that this this movie is a a follow-up to birth of a nation and that kong is a metaphor for something wow many many people read the movie that way Mm -hmm. i don't know that that was anyone's conscious intention when they made right supposedly cooper had a dream about a a giant ape tearing up a, a city and that's where he got the idea but uh, uh that doesn't mean the coding isn't there it may or mm-hmm. may not be conscious but but even if we put that aside even if we are charitable and give them 
the filmmaker the best of intentions. Right. This movie, this still. movie is still all still. about whitey being whitey. About yes. white dudes acting like white dudes in that they think everything is there for them to exploit. Mm-hmm. They go into this island. They go to this island that they have not been invited to. Denim's looking for Kong, but he doesn't seem to know what Kong is. But he's heard of Kong. Right. And, and he's, he's looking for it. So they come to this island. They stumble onto this ceremony where they're preparing right, they're a, a young girl. Yeah, yes. they're preparing a young girl to be the bride of Kong. And I have a lot of questions about that. These people have been living there. We don't know how long. They appear to be isolated from the rest of the world. There is this great wall that some civilization has built to keep out Kong, whatever it is. We don't know yet. And we don't know if it is their ancestors who built this wall or some separate civilization. And then these people came there later. But they have made this cold calculation to sacrifice one of their own in order to preserve the rest of them. And it's working. It seems horrible to us, but it it is working. And these white guys come in and fuck it all up. They fuck it all up. Now, at first, there's also some some drive-by racism here where the chief sees the white woman. Ah, yes, the golden woman. (laughs) And at first I thought, well, of course he wants to give Kong this outsider instead of one of his people. That makes sense. But then I was watching it again and and I'd forgotten. He offers six of his women for andero so he does think she is in fact more valuable than his women Uh and assumes that kong will also find her more pleasing on the other hand if he gives six of his women for her that means six of his people can leave the island (laughs) (laughs) so maybe i don't know maybe i'm giving the chief too much credit maybe he's trying to save them you know, let's see how how many of my women will these dum dums take off the island for me, <laughs> and I uh, I'll sacrifice their lady to Kong. But of course, they they say no. Right. Uh, oh gosh, let's go back and talk about Jack for a minute, though. Oh yes. Oh please. Jack's, oh Jack. Jack Driscoll. The three main characters all have last names beginning with D. I don't think that actually means anything. It's just a thing I noticed. Carl Denham and Darrow and John Jack Driscoll. Another theme of this movie that no one else seems to have noticed is that it is about a young man coming to terms with his sexuality. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Because Jack (laughs) doesn't like women. He doesn't like they're in gross. Fact, they got cooties. He he literally says at some point, women can't help being a bother. Yes. He now I don't know how long this man's been at sea. Maybe he's only had relations with <laughs> men, or maybe he's never had any relations at all. But uh, during the course of their journey out there, he goes from "ew, gross girls don't belong on a boat" to "well, I reckon I love you." <laughs> No, within what? Okay, it's like the first however long, and they're traveling to Skull Island. However long that takes, he doesn't like women. But from one moment to the next, <laughs> Jack decides that he is in love with Anne. I mean, from <laughs> one minute, I I really put in my notes. 
I guess I love you now uh, <laughs> since fucking when? Like, what yeah. just happened? So he acts like a total jerk to her, but then he's nice for two seconds. So she's like, I guess maybe I love you too. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. Maybe to, maybe, to, maybe to her it was just a, you know, it's an early example of negging that he he's like well if i treat her like crap she'll like me and then she's like well why doesn't that guy like me i guess i better make him like me i don't know see this is when when ann was a little girl there was a boy on the playground that punched her in the face (laughs) and her mom was like that just means he likes you (laughs) because the first thing he does is accidentally punch her in the face And then doesn't exactly apologize, just sort of acknowledges, oh, I guess I smacked you pretty good. And she's like, oh my gosh, he loves me. And I like a girl that can take a punch. (laughs) But but having said that, he is is a, a, I don't know what the hell he is, a mess, but he is the only one that expresses any concern for Anne's safety. When she gets kidnapped? When well, early on, when uh, when they're still on the boat, and Denim is having her practice being terrified of Kong, oh, uh-huh. of whatever they're gonna find in the mountain, he's like, "What? What the hell is he? <laughs> what the hell is he expecting to find out there?" And then when they're going to the island, he's like, "We shouldn't be taking her with us. It's dangerous." Which which is sexist and condescending, but at least he is showing some concern for yeah, her. Yeah, some concern. Carl, yeah, right. Carl Denim is not. He's not showing concern for anybody's <laughs> safety. Not his, not hers, not Jack, not not Charlie's, not anybody's. But anyway, they 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 get to the island, the natives tell him to screw off. Oh wait, let's ha- let us have your blonde lady and they say no. And we'll we'll just come back later and surely they'll want to be friends with us cuz who wouldn't want to be friends with a bunch of random white guys that that show up uninvited. And they go back to the boat and the natives get in their little rowboats, kayaks, whatever, and come out and kidnap Anne. Right. And who can blame them? <laughs> uh, seriously, though, if these if these outsiders are going to come uh, spoil your ceremony, mm-hmm. why, why not sacrifice one of them instead of one of your people? Right. So they kidnap her. As I mentioned earlier, Charlie's the one that notices she's missing. And they all go to the island to get and back. And I, I believe this is one of those rescue missions where more people die in the rescue attempt than are rescued, which I always <laughs> think is, is poor math. Oh, yes. So disappointing. They, they go to rescue and they find her tied up being sacrificed to Kong. Uh, I believe the natives are chanting and beating drums and she's tied to the two pillars and Kong makes his big entrance. And I wrote down, Kong enters, honeybee laughed. It was, um, it was a lot of buildup. For, uh... <laughs> for, for the bumble from uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> oh my goodness. Enter, so. enters Kong. It, I just like it, it was very, it was hysterical. It just really was. Okay. But, uh, uh, you know, it's it's old and, and I'm sure yeah. it was very impressive at the time. Of course. Uh, but Kong, Kong takes and rather gently unties her. So this is where I have, <laughs> this is where I have questions. Yes. This is where I start to have questions. What 
is the nature of this sacrifice. Yeah, agreed. Because it gets weird, right? Like, Kong Kong gets weird. Yeah, and we don't know. Kong Kong doesn't eat her. She wouldn't be enough to fill him up. He's got to be eating other stuff out there. He's probably eating a lot of plants. He's not exactly a gorilla, but I think he's intended to be a gorilla. Right, gorilla-like. Yeah. Gorilla-esque. Yeah, but he doesn't, you know, if you if you want to nitpick, he, his coloration's wrong, he stands upright. But I think the filmmakers intend that he's a giant gorilla. He's clearly an ape of some kind. So he right. probably mostly eats plants. But we don't know, did he eat the other brides? Does he treat Anne differently because she's white with blonde hair and, and therefore a new thing he hasn't seen? Has he done with the other brides what he did with Anne, which is just basically make her a doll? Yeah. throughout the movie when he's tearing stuff up later he bites some people he kills some people by biting them but he doesn't chew them up and swallow them he doesn't eat them he does drink the blood from a neck of a dinosaur yeah which also can we just talk about um i was so confused in the dinosaur chase scene uh-huh. Uh the the fight scene because what is the the, the dinosaur? It was, it looked like a long neck to me and I'm like aren't these don't these dinosaurs also only eat plants? <laughs> like uh the the I first dinosaur a, he fights. I th- was it a brontosaurus? I don't uh you know what? I did find my list of deaths. So it should say there's a giant lizard, there's an allosaurus, there's a giant snake snake a uh, prehistoric vulture and a pterodon so i guess the first one is just giant giant lizard of some kind oh a a stegosaurus but Kong doesn't kill the stegosaurus uh he is shot in the head by whitey (laughs) so (laughs) kong takes takes Anne and goes in the jungle and fights some monsters and the denim and driscoll and the crew chase after they run into various dinosaurs jack does not know what a dinosaur is i i just i i guess he's never been off that boat i don't know <laughs> i don't know what to do with that <laughs> he doesn't know why it's of the dinosaur family and i don't know how he doesn't know what dinosaurs are they were discovered you know in 18 something <laughs> <laughs> They've been around. They were first. The first one was discovered in like uh, 1809 or something, and they were na- the name dinosaur was coined in 1849. They're around enough that somebody made little models of them to put them in this motion picture. So <laughs> I don't know how it is that Jack doesn't know what a dinosaur is. Well, Jack is pretty. He he didn't have to learn anything. You know, he's a he's a pretty white man. So yeah. there you go. But speaking of the dinosaurs, I, I, I think uh, Denim really uh, missed the uh, opportunity here. I think he's made a mistake. He wants to, uh, once they rescue Anne, uh, I'm jumping ahead a little, we'll, we'll go back. Once they rescue Anne and he uh, uses his gas bombs, which he brought along with him, he wants to take Kong back to New York. Um, right. It seems to be why, and it's... Again, it's unclear if he knows what Kong is or not, but he seems to, he has these gas bombs because he knows he's going to need to gas something huge. But there's dinosaurs. (laughs) Yes, Kong is an unusually large gorilla ape, but but we have those. You can go to the zoo and see one. 
the dinosaurs have all been extinct for millions of years except the ones on this island. I think that is your real moneymaker there. And being as they're just dumb lizards, they're probably a lot easier to control than, than an intelligent primate. So I, I think his decision to take Kong back instead of one of these dinosaurs is his biggest mistake. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. What, what do you think? Um, I mean, it's just strange to me that if there are dinosaurs on this island, that they're that that Kong is even um, yeah, is even a is even a, a thing. Why do Why? we care? Well, how how so? It's just silly. Also, because um, in the monster fights, in the dinosaur fights. It does seem like in these monster fights that the monsters were like going for what's her name, Anne? Like they were like he was protecting Anne. So oh. I think maybe that was what the monsters were for was like another weird way to show you Kong's weird fucking relationship <laughs> with Anne is like he's like protecting her. It also felt like another reason to gun down a bunch of natives. Like, no, you know, they're like trying to um, save her and killing all of these people. It was very confusing. So the whole monster fights, every monster fight, like the first one, I was like, wait, doesn't this dinosaur eat grass? (laughs) And then the second one, I was like, why are we killing all of these natives? (laughs) Um, What is this? I guess this is 30s gore for you. is these big monster fights but yeah taking kong back to new york instead of taking a dinosaur i think once i found out there were dinosaurs i was like what the hell is what why is there kong like why are we afraid shouldn't yeah we should be this is just our concern is in the wrong place now it may be also that part of the whole sacrificing the kong thing is uh, a protection racket that it's not oh like he's protecting them right right it's it's not so much we give uh, a girl to kong so that he'll leave us alone but so that he'll keep the dinosaurs the dinosaurs away. away okay all right i'll give now, you that I, I had an idea that the, if kong doesn't eat the brides and just uses them as pets for a little while and then gets bored maybe on the other side of the island there's like a whole little civilization of brides <laughs> The former brides of Kong. Who run the world, girls? Who run the world? <laughs> They're just over there hunting dinosaurs, and and uh, that's where the real badass the bitches are. Yeah, so uh, I want to see that movie. Yeah, same. But uh, eventually, they manage to rescue Anne, and Anne is not speaking their relationship. She's not into it at all. <laughs> in, in other versions Anne has some sort of sympathy with Kong and rapport with Kong this Anne it just screams she just which which also reinforces the idea that Kong is some kind of racial coding in that she is not into it at all she is just straight up terrified of him and uh, continues to be through throughout the movie uh, and uh, you know you can't really well, blame well, her yeah. Yeah, because there's like parts where he's like undressing her and then yeah. like smelling her, yes. smelling her clothes, smelling Smelled his finger. fingers, like after touching her. Like it's a yeah. very strange. Yeah. He's, he's, he's definitely a creep. But if he is to be, if he 
if we are to accept that he is a metaphor for something else, then her reaction is a metaphor, metaphorical as well. Right. And that's not great. Yeah, fuck that. But eventually they, they do rescue her and take her back towards the the shore where the village is and Kong comes after them and wrecks the place. This is where, you know, they, they had this deal going for probably centuries, if not thousands of years. And this one group of white guys shows up and it all goes to hell and Kong destroys the village, stomps on multiple people, bites a couple of people to yeah. death. My, I did find my death list. It says eaten, but he did not eat anybody. He just bit them. Maybe uh, it was like implied that he was eating them since the uh, the little figure was didn't I have guess. much mouth movement. Right, right. <laughs> I maintain he is actually a, a herbivore and just bit them to death. <laughs> he didn't swallow. <laughs> Kong doesn't swallow. Make of that what you will. Ahem. <clears throat> So they uh, eventually, uh, they, so they drug, they gas him, they put him on a boat, they take him back to New York, where Denim gets the bright idea that he is going to put on a show where he exhibits Kong to the public. Brilliant. And, yes. <laughs> After everything that has happened, this yeah. is his idea. Yep, yep. He's, see, he's seen how brutal Kong is. But he thinks this is a good idea. So he rents a Broadway theater. He buys some chains. And he <laughs> charges $25 a ticket. Ow! Ow! Because we, we hear a guy say, what's this show? This show cost me 25 bucks. This better be These tickets were 25 bucks each. <clears throat> this better be a good show. And we already mentioned that a uh, movie ticket was 35 to 75 cents. 25, yeah. So $25 is a pricey ticket in the middle of the depression mm-hmm. so anybody that is at this show is a rich fat cat so screw them uh, <laughs> Anne is there with jack they're apparently dating now yes they're in love um since yesterday so yeah. i don't know why Anne has agreed to be there <laughs> because she's so because she's so terrified they uh, open the curtains and everybody oohs and ahs and things do not go well. What happens next? Kong breaks loose. Everybody loses their shit and he goes on a rampage through the city. Like at you do. One, at one point, he sees a woman through a window that he thinks is Anne. Grabs, <laughs> grabs this poor random woman. Smells her, I guess. Figures out it's not her and and just drops her. <laughs> Which like, I will say is a famous reference that I have seen a few times and did not know was a famous reference until seeing this actual a movie I can think of, like The Nutty Professor, you know, when uh, he like is dreaming that he's stomping through the city and then he sees whatever his love interest in the movie's name, I can't remember. He like sees her in the window and grabs her and picks her up, you know? Uh, I do not know. I have not seen that. Okay. <laughs> but oh, I, okay. Well. But yes, I agree, though, that it is referenced. Often. The, the Kong thing, Kong looking through the window at somebody is, yes. is referenced often. 
Yes, <clears throat> often. I have seen it a few different times. And of course, I knew because I had seen it a few times that it was from something. But when I saw that, when he like sees the woman and I was like, oh, okay, shit, that's the that's the famous see see through the window grab you i'm a giant yeah yeah. (laughs) you know when i uh when i was a kid there were um as i would as i would see uh watch old movies i would see all these old these bugs bunny jokes that were all references to various old movies so Mm as i saw more and more classic movies i'd be like oh that's where that thing that's what that's from. from oh that's who that actor is that that thing that made no sense in that cartoon Right, that's why that's funny. It was a reference to Treasure of the Sierra Madre or whatever. It's been a while since we actually watched this. I can't remember how he actually gets his hands on Anne, how he ends up finding her. Uh, but he does. <laughs> <laughs> the city, city full of people. He, he finds Anne. He wrecks some trains. And then, of course, famously, he climbs up the Empire State Building with Anne. Uh-huh. And the police are, uh, throughout this whole rampage, the police are constantly keeping Denim in the loop. I don't know why. I don't know <laughs> why they should care what, what he has to say about anything or what his input on anything is. But at one point, somebody, either him or Jack, says, uh, airplanes, let's get, he's going up the building, let's get airplanes. Back on the island, we did see Kong, I think, uh, go go to high ground for safety. So that's what he's doing here he's climbing up the empire state building to try to get to safety and somehow they get these airplanes denim just orders up some airplanes or something i don't know are they it's unclear to me are these police airplanes are they army airplanes that are just laying around ready to go just (laughs) waiting for an emergency because we're between wars at this point so i don't know why these planes with machine guns mounted on them are on call but they readily, are quick, readily available but they quickly uh deploy some airplanes four airplanes and shoot kong full of holes i want to say too during this whole um situation there is several times where kong sets Anne down yeah and all she does is just stand there and scream. <laughs> scream, scream. Yeah, she, well, you know. She never, she never runs. She never tries to get away unless she's in his hand. Right. Some people freeze up and panic. Uh, That's true. That is true. I don't know where this is from, but there's a thing recently where it's like a quiz show thing. I think it was on the street. The man is asking the question, name a woman. But he's doing it in a, fran- a frantic way. Name a woman. And they're like, uh, uh, any woman, name any woman. And the person he's asking can't do it. Right. Because they freeze under the pressure. And I think it's even a woman. She could she could name herself. <laughs> Me. Hey. I've seen I've seen someone do this with hiccups too, like um hiccup in my hand to like get rid of your hiccups. You know, <laughs> hiccup in my hand. So I, I guess I can buy that Anne just freezes up and doesn't know what to do, but it is also, you know, sexist and condescending and because of course yeah. it is and also we kong has to have his hands free so he can smack this plane around or eat his train <laughs> or, whatever, or whatever he's doing but for plot reasons he's got to be able to find her right again right away right he puts her down and i think jack and a couple of cops get up to the top of the building to uh yes it's find her. yeah right and, and kong gets shot full of holes and falls and dies right probably on top of somebody i'm not sure <laughs> a lot of somebody's and the movie ends with this famous line. Well, Denim, the airplane's got it. Oh, no. 
It wasn't the airplanes. It was beauty killed the beast. Fuck you. It absolutely it was it was the planes. It was the planes in the moment, but it was you ultimately. You killed him. <laughs> you went to his home, took this beast out of his natural habitat, put him in the middle of a city, and got him killed. And got all these other people killed too. And that and that's how the movie ends. It just and ends it right ends there. When he looks at Anne one more time before uh-huh. he he falls to his death. Right. It was beauty that killed the beast. Credits. <laughs> yes. So Joe, Joe Bob Briggs is a guy who used to present movies. He had an expression, monkey die, everybody cry. <laughs> <laughs> I believe this was a summary of the proper way to end a movie because once the monkey's dead, that the, the story's over. So just wrap it up, end it, end it there. And boy, did they. Yes. No, no need to deal with any of the uh, fallout or repercussion. Yeah, don't take any responsibility. <laughs> Denim does Denim does not take any responsibility. But we will see next time in Son of Kong whether of or not Kong. whether or not Denim is held responsible for his irresponsible. Oh, interesting. Actions. So let me ask: Does um is the mighty Joe Young? Is that like? Is there anything related here with that? Yes. Yes, okay. there is. And that is on our list. Okay. That is the third thing on our list. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. It was it was several years later, but it's a lot of the same, a lot of the same people. Okay. Um, Shodzak directs it. I think Cooper was involved with it. But Robert Armstrong, who who plays uh Denim, is in it. Oh shit, okay. Uh, I believe it was written by at least one of the same people. It's not connected plot-wise, right? But it is connected uh, thematically. They they went back to that well again. I see. And I don't I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I think they did it better that time. Nice. Okay. I think. Mighty Joe Young is much less problematic than King Kong is. Yes, uh, story Mighty Joe Young, story by Marion C. Cooper, screenplay by Ruth Rose, who was one of the writers on this one, produced by Marion and directed by Ernest B. Shodzak. Oh, another another Shodzak. Yeah. Yes, and, and now and then, here's a side note. I have not yet seen this movie, but I'm, I've heard of it. I've seen a remake of it. Uh, the Most Dangerous Game. Okay. About, have you heard of it? Have you seen it? Uh, no, I have not. The Most Dangerous Game is humans. Game as in the... Well, it's both the game you play, but game as in the thing that you hunt. I see. Mm-hmm. Humans are the most dangerous game. A, a, guy on a, a guy on an island is hunting human beings. It was made at the same time. It's also by Marion C. Cooper, also stars Armstrong and Fay Ray. And they would film, and they use the same sets. They filmed it during the day and filmed Kong at night for the, the island jungle stuff. Oh, okay. So it's not a monster movie, but it is a 
classic movie that was made at the exact same time that this one was featuring a lot of the same people. So that's just some of the weird, probably cost saving stuff they used to do back right. then. Similar to uh, Dracula, Bela Lugosi's Dracula, they mm-hmm. filmed a Spanish language version at the same time using the same sets and costumes, but the Spanish cast and crew would come in at night and film and the English speaking cast and crew would film during the day. Then they were able to release two films for the price of one or the price of one and a half, probably. <laughs> so I, like I said, I found my death list. There are 65 deaths in this movie. 65. We're counting the creatures and calling this Stegosaurus, multiple sailors, giant lizard, allosaurus, giant snake, prehistoric vulture, pterodon, two natives, then two more natives, several natives, then civilians, five civilians, women, Elevated train motorman, 22 people in train. I don't know where they got that number. Yeah. And I also feel like if we're like actually looking at it, it would be more than 65. Well, I guess these are ones on screen. So I don't know where they came up with that calculation of 22 people on the train. And I just, I printed this out. I forget now which site I found this on. So I don't know who to question about this. But then uh, a plane, uh, plane pilot and a King Kong himself. So I think as we go through this, whenever we can, we will mention the death count, what various monsters were in the movie, and uh, whenever appropriate, uh, where does this fall on the uh, racist scale? Uh, one to ten. Yeah. Zero would be not at all racist, and ten would be birth of a nation racist, straight up. <laughs> The Ku Klux Klan are the heroes of the picture. Right. Where on scale would you say this movie is? Oof, man, it's a it's pretty freaking high up there on the scale. I I was a pretty I wasn't ready for it to say the least. Not that I have watched a lot of movies from the 1930s, but I <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> Oof. Well, I'm always ready for that because again, when I was a kid. <laughs> you just watched what came on the television. So you'd be sitting there on a Saturday afternoon watching some black and white movie with uh, Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney. And there's this nice little movie with some singing and dancing in it. And and then suddenly somebody will be in blackface performing I a, a song and doing, doing some minstrel show nonsense. And you're like, oh, that's... Oh, uh, shit. What's good? <laughs> And I'm just a little kid, but even as a little kid, you're like, wait, what is, what is happening here? What is, that doesn't seem right. And of course, these days it would ruin your career, but, uh, and rightly so. So, rightly you, so. Uh, I guess I'll give it a eight on the racism scale. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say like an 8.7. <laughs> That's very 8. precise. 8.8. It's, it's close to a nine. <laughs> But it, it is a classic, and we did enjoy it. Um, just aware of the context of when it was made, and because uh, I don't, I don't want the goal of this show to be to come in and shit on everything. Of course, but we also it, have to address what's there. Right, the problems of yeah. movies in nineteen thirty-three. I mean, culturally and historically, you know, it is a big movie. It's a big movie. Um, heard of this movie i have seen it referenced now we're in this huge like kong versus godzilla times you know so of course 
it does come up a lot the the king kong but i had never seen the original so i am glad to uh to see where it started and where it is now (laughs) and we will um we we will we're gonna make our way through these things chronologically so we will get to more kong of course our next up was son our next up is son of kong but then there won't be another one for a while eventually we'll uh pretty quickly get into the uh godzilla stuff but as far as the um current things go uh let's let's do just a little bit of of, uh, kaiju news um my copy of kong versus godzilla is in the mail and we'll be here thursday godzilla versus kong godzilla versus kong king kong versus godzilla is another movie which i already have a copy of and the asylum has announced that they are doing a movie called monster versus ape oh familiar familiar with the asylum negative the asylum is a production company that brought us sharknado (laughs) okay (laughs) but but they are also known for making what are called mockbusters which are movies designed to trick you into accidentally renting them instead of the movie you meant to watch. Oh my God. So they've made movies like, I mean, they do a lot of these sci-fi original movies like a uh, three headed shark and four headed shark and five headed shark and the shark natives, but they also do things like transmorphers. I am Omega the day the earth stopped war of the worlds which came out the same year that Tom Cruise War of the Worlds came out. Things like that. They did uh, Atlantic Rim the same year that Pacific Rim came out. Okay. So they will, they, will, they will rush out these cheap knockoffs to cash in on some bigger, better movie. So they have Monster vs. Ape coming out. I don't know that we'll watch a whole lot of Asylum movies, but we might do that one once we get to it and in other kaiju news netflix is debuting soon a new godzilla anime oh called godzilla singular point it's already available i think in japan on japanese netflix but it'll be available on american netflix soon i got the impression from some online groups i'm in that some people are just uh changing their ip addresses and <laughs> watching it already yes so uh, uh i mean i'm gonna watch that when it comes out but we will cover that eventually when we get to it awesome so uh i hope uh you people are uh, somebody out there is uh, along for the ride with us and we will be back next time to talk about son of kong Son of Kong, follow us. Come with us. Take a ride. Relax. Enjoy it. I have been Precious D. And I'm Honey Bee. And this has been Monster Movie Fun Time Go. You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.